Coming to you from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Manitoba. This is Outside the Gridiron with Josh Fry Sam. And now, and now, here's your host, Josh Fry Sam. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Outside the Gridiron. Josh Fry Sam here. Hope everybody's doing well. Back for another episode here. We got a we got a fun one today. Um, I'm gonna recap the draft here very briefly. Um, but then after that, we're gonna get into my top five favorite positions as it stands right now post-draft. Really fun time of the year right now because this is really the time where we can start to see that glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel, you know, where where, where that is the off-season. And and that being the the training camp is coming up, OTAs are underway, uh, we have preseason just around the corner after summer concludes here. Like we we are we are very close to meaningful football here. Um, we've made it through the free agency process. We've made it through the draft process. So we've 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 kind of gone through some very exciting moments here so far in the in in the off season. But uh, but now listen, this is the time of the year where you know we just finished the draft and and the schedule just got released. This is kind of the fun time of the year. Um, where the predictions start coming out. I like this time of the year because, I mean, who doesn't like predictions, right? Everybody loves to to predict where their team's going to end up and what the playoffs are going to look like, place down some futures bets and whatnot, which I still have to get on myself. But listen, let's let's recap this draft really quickly. I have two teams that I want to talk about uh, that, that really stood out to me and, and that really won this draft. The first one being the Carolina Panthers. Um, Carolina has done a spectacular job the past, the Matt Rule's first two seasons as a head coach. Um, and even going back to 2019 before Matt Rule got there, right? They, they got guys like Brian Burns, uh, Greg Little at the tackle position uh, in, in 2019. But then enter Matt Rule. And, and I'm going to explain exactly why I, I just love these picks in, in a second here. But you look at last year. Um, 2020, he opens up his first ever draft pick by Matt Rule under the new uh, Carolina Panthers, new era for the Carolina Panthers. Derek Brown, the 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 monster defensive tackle out of Auburn. Then they go Yutir Gross Matos, Jeremy Chin, who for me probably until the midpoint of last season was a the rookie defensive rookie of the year candidate. Um, and then you go to this year, right? So they go, you know, three for three, I'm going to say, the through their first three picks that they hit were, were all, even Troy Pride Jr. you could put in there as well. Um, their first four picks that they ever made were impact players for them. And then they go into 2021 and they go J.C. Horn. They get another cornerback. Um, Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver out of LSU. Brady Christensen, the tight end out of, out of BYU. Tommy Tremble the tight end out of Notre Dame, Chuba Hubbard, the running back out of OK State, Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa, who I had pegged as a very um, a gem possibly on day three, very athletic, super, super athletic defensive tackle out of Iowa, right? So, and then they, even if you keep going, Shai Smith, the, the, very, the speedster wide receiver out of South Carolina, the Gamecock, I really loved these picks for the Carolina Panthers because, again, similar to last year, these are players who I think could just make an impact right off the bat. J.C. Horn, for me, is going to be a day-one starter. Terrace Marshall, we'll see what kind of role he fills, but he could... I mean, the Panthers lost Curtis Samuel, 
You know, they 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 might need a little bit of help there, and then then he could find himself in a in a nice role in his rookie year. Brady Christensen, Tommy Tremble, Tommy Tremble. If you read my 2021 NFL draft kit, you would have seen that I wrote that Tommy Tremble is a. I think he's going to be a 10 year pro. 10, 12 year pro, however long he wants to, however long he wants to play. And not only that, but he's a guy, he's going to be a leader in the locker room. Um, his tape was spectacular to watch. I think he was the first guy whenever one of his guys were down. He kind of looked like an NBA player where his guy fell to the ground, got tackled, and he was the first guy over there picking his guy up off the ground. Um, those are the kind of guys you want in your locker room. Those are leaders in the locker room. So, And and not to mention he's a very talented player as well. Went in the third round of this draft, um, a Notre Dame product. So you know that uh, him, he's going to be uh, he's going to be a solid, well-coached, well-coached individual. Chuba Hubbard's another guy for me where he's a perfect fit in this offense, one cut back, going to fit very well in behind Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to be the day the, the the backup running back from day one. And then, like I said, Davion Nixon, a guy who might need to develop a little bit, but Davion Nixon I think is going to have a place in an, in this defense at some point. And Shai Smith, the, the speedster wide receiver out of South Carolina, you don't see too many sixth-round picks, sixth- and seventh-round picks, even fifth-round picks, is when you start getting into that area where it's, it's very... I don't know if these guys are even going to make the squad. Maybe they make the practice squad. You don't know, right? But but Shai Smith is one of these guys because he fits the mold of what Matt Rule is trying to do so well, right? We, we know that the modern-day NFL offense is speed, 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 speed kills, right? Shai Smith is all that. He embodies that. And so I could really see, because Matt Rule is really clearly trying to get fast, right? We saw that the way he used Curtis Samuel last year. We saw with Robbie Anderson being added to this added to the mix right Terrace Marshall is is uh nothing to you know his, his speed is nothing to lift your nose at Shy Smith again they go to acquire Shy Smith you know so there there's a trend here building right even with on the defensive side of the ball right with uh with Derek Brown with even Yuter Gross Matos Jeremy Chin Troy, uh, Troy Pride like there, there's guys here there's athletes on both sides of the ball where they can just fly around the field right and so so for me Shy Smith is just another guy that fits that mold last thing I'll say on the Carolina Panthers you know besides the the impact players that they got here the thing that I love most is because Matt Rule has really impressed in his first two years and what I think Matt Rule is really showing like other coaches have done in the past is that it really benefits an organization at times to hire a college coach, right? You think about what Matt Rule did in college. He was recruiting a lot of these players, all these players in the draft. He was among the coaches that were recruiting them to come to his school at Baylor. And, and I can't remember the other school that he that he was at. Um, was it Bowling Green? I, I can't remember. But but the, whatever it was, that his two schools that he was coaching at in college he was recruiting these guys to come in. So he knows a lot of these guys very well. He knows what they did in high school. He he kind of understands what their 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 maybe their character flaws, if they have any, what they what they are like maybe as leaders, what they're how they are in the classroom, um, you know, their leadership qualities, and then obviously their their abilities on the field as well. He can actually understand that a little bit better than most coaches in the NFL. You take a guy who's been in the NFL for for a long time, maybe even a guy like Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is another coach where we actually saw the benefits of when the Seattle brought him over from USC. We saw those benefits as well with him in his first two few years, where he really nailed the drafts. You look at 2012. I think they got Russell Wilson, they got Bobby Wagner, and I, did they not get Richard Sherman as well in that draft as well? Right. So like you're talking about well, three Hall of Famers <laughs> in one draft. 
right? And and so that's like Pete Carroll showed why it it can it can really benefit an organization to hire a college coach. He knows these players a little bit better than the coaches that that have been in the league a long time. Of course, they have their scouting departments, right? But the coach himself, you know, um, you know, is just another voice. You look at Matt Rule; he's just another voice who can add to the pot. He can he can be another voice to to just throw in an opinion about a player because he might know him a little bit better than than most uh, other coaches as well. So peak. Pete Carroll, now being a, a seasoned vendor, veteran in the NFL, might possibly be a little bit more out of touch these days than he was when he first got into the league with what the college was like, right? For obvious reasons, he's no longer there. Matt Rule now enters, and you can see, I think he's really nailed his first two drafts. I think he's been absolutely solid. You even go back to the days of Jimmy Johnson, right? Jimmy Johnson coming from Miami, I believe. Um, hit Him coming to the Cowboys from Miami, I mean... Jimmy Johnson nailed his first few drafts as well, turned that in, parlayed those picks into um, what was the Cowboys dynasty, right? So so you kind of see a trend here. Of course, not every college coach is going to nail their picks, but but you can kind of see a trend here because, again, these guys were part of the recruiting process. They were part of the scouting process. For these kids coming out of high school, got to know them a little bit maybe, uh, played against them or coached against them, I should say, in college. Now they have a better understanding of them. So great job to uh, Matt Rule. Props to him and, and his scouting department. Um, they've nailed the first two drafts in my mind. And of course, we won't know for maybe a couple of years for these guys, some of these guys to develop. But really, they've drafted quite a few day one starters for them that are going to make an impact. And um, now that they have their young quarterback in Sam Darnold for the future, Carolina is just looking to solidify themselves, get some continuity here, build their, you know, their cornerstones, their franchise cornerstones and move forward here and develop themselves into perennial playoff contenders. And I think that they are not very far away. Um, On to the Miami Dolphins, the only other team I want to talk about here. Of course, there's tons of other teams and and I could break down every single pick and talk for hours about the draft here. But but I'm going to talk about the Miami Dolphins because I think they also had arguably the best draft best draft um, this year. They started off with Jalen Waddle, the electric factory from um, Alabama onto Jalen Phillips with their second first round pick out of Miami. He's an edge rusher out of Miami who I actually had labeled as my number one edge rusher in this draft. The only reason Jalen Phillips slid this far in my mind, he actually has the potential. He has the talent to be a top 10 pick. I wouldn't have been mad if somebody took him in the top 10. I don't think it was ever going to happen, but I wouldn't have been mad. And the reason being that he slid was because he does have some injury concerns. Um, he has had a couple of injury concerns, but when he is healthy, um, in my mind, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that that he is the clear-cut number one edge rusher in this draft. No disrespect to Quiddy Pay um, or Gregory Russo or any of those other edge rushers like Oziz Ojolari um, or anything like that. But Jalen Phillips is definitely the clear-cut number one. Um, and then they go into the, the into the second round, and this is where I really love their second-round picks. Javon Holland, um, the, the safety, the hybrid safety out of Oregon, who was actually called by some as the best overall defender in this draft. Um, and then Liam Eichenberg, the tackle, the left tackle out of Notre Dame. And then even I'll just go into the third round here with Hunter Long, the, ta- the talented tight end out of Boston College. Hunter Long is just another one of these guys similar to Brady Christensen and Tommy Tremble. Um, these tight ends that were really after anything after Kyle Pitts, these guys weren't getting talked about this year because of obviously Kyle Pitts stealing the show. This was a very sneaky, deep tight end class. Very sneaky, deep tight end class. Um Tommy Tremble, Brady Christensen for the Carolina Panthers, and even Pat uh, Fryermuth 
who went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are all guys, and now even Hunter Long with Miami Dolphins, these are guys that I truly believe are going to have an impact in their rookie years in, in some way, shape, or form. These are guys who can, um, some of these guys can block very well. Some of these guys can also catch very well as well. So like th- there is some very well-rounded tight end prospects that just enter the NFL that nobody's really talking about. So for me, when I look at the Miami Dolphins draft this year, I look at the first five picks for them, and I say, man, these are all guys who could realistically start on day one for these guys. And if you were to go, I think if you went to any coach, really in any sport for that matter, and said, hey, your first five draft picks this year are all guys that are going to contribute, have a significant contribution this year. I don't think any any coach or general manager in any sport regardless would, would, turn, would turn away from that. I think anybody would say, sure, give me five picks that are going to contribute immediately, right? Five like 21-year-olds that are going to be able to make an impact immediately. Jalen Waddell, to start with, this guy might become the number one option this in this offense, and he comes into an offense that is just, it is speed. It is, it is, he is just the, the cherry on top for this. They got Will Fuller, they got Devontae Parker, um, Mike Gusecki at the tight end position, right? Hunter Long's going to be joining uh, Mike Gusecki, but this is just an offense that is predicated on speed. Not only that, but then they also have the young quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa, who I really, I really like their additions because Tua was kind of getting knocked last year for the fact that he didn't really stretch the field too much. He was, he was almost overly conservative. And I think that having his former weapon in Jalen Waddle, a guy that he trusts to go along with another speed demon and Will Fuller and a guy who he developed some chemistry last year in Devontae Parker and another guy in Mike Gusecki. Um, I think that Tua Tagovailoa is, is definitely poised for, for a nice step in, in year two. I'm not going to quite, I don't know if he's going to quite break out this year. I feel like maybe his breakout year is a 2022 thing where we're really going to see year three, his his kind of, maybe his starting career almost depends on it. Um, I, I really think Tua though is going to show that he he is a franchise quarterback this year, take that a significant step forward um Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland loved both of these picks Jalen Phillips going to come in be their number one edge rusher from day one Javon Holland is again a guy who is dubbed as the possibly the best defender in this draft um safety from Oregon and and Javon Holland for me kind of fits this mold if you look at what where Brian Flores came from he came from the New England Patriots scheme right and and the New England Patriots who I'm actually going to talk about later in this app uh later in this episode they're just known for playing kind of this multiples defense and and using different pieces in different situations, right? To create to to not get caught in in maybe a matchup problem or or you know throw the offense off with where maybe blitzes are coming from or or who's coming from where, who's lining up where, right? You need to account for a lot of pieces and and for me, Javon Holland kind of fits that mold. Like I could see Javon Holland playing in the New England Patriots defense, no problem. He kind of fits what Bill Belichick likes, right? That hybrid kind of chess piece. And so for 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 me, when I look at Brian Flores taking Javon Holland, I think he's going to be used as exactly that. I think we might see him more so um, playing in the box and being able to kind of like that Buda Baker type player. But regardless, he's such a talented player, Javon Holland. Um, he's a guy who might go get you, you know, four sacks on the season to go with three interceptions right and a a whole bunch of tackles be a presence in the run game right like this is a guy who can who can step up in the run game this guy can also cover very well so for me Javon Holland is just kind of 
again, that chess piece that you can just really move around the, your entire defense. I, I love this pick for the Miami Dolphins. And Javon Holland was long regarded as a guy who probably wasn't going to be in the first round, but he was a guy who certainly was going to be a very early day two pick. And 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 it backed up right there. You know, you, you saw it, 36th overall, third pick on day two. So um, Javon Holland, high, high value pick for the Miami Dolphins. And then finally, I'm going to touch on Liam Eichenberg. And Liam Eichenberg for the, ta- the tackle from Notre Dame played left tackle primarily at Notre Dame. So for me, the, if you look at what the Miami Dolphins did last year, they went and addressed the tackle position as well with Austin Jackson, the tackle out of um, out of USC. Austin Jackson was uh, his draft grade kind of got a bump last year because of the fact that he's actually a swing tackle. He can play left or right tackle. So for me, I think what kind of makes the most sense to me, even though Austin Jackson played left tackle last year, primarily for the Dolphins, I say just move Austin Jackson since he can, move him over to the right side, move him over to right tackle, take Liam Eichenberg, who you just drafted in the second round, place him in there at left tackle. He's going to be a day one rock solid starter to protect Tua Tagovailoa's blind side. Then you have your offensive line bookended for the next however many years for the next very long time in Austin Jackson and Liam Eichenberg. I love this. I, I love that pick for the Miami Dolphins. They managed to find a guy who can protect their most prized possession in, in Tua Tagovailoa in the second round, high value pick. And even with Austin Jackson last year, right, they go out and draft Tua with fifth overall, and then they go with their second of three first round picks last year. They go and draft Austin Jackson, the guy to protect their quarterback um, at the 18th overall position. So Miami Dolphins, for me, uh, long to go with with the Carolina Panthers, were just rock-solid picks, especially in the first two days of this draft. Like These are guys, again, they're going to come in and just make immediate impacts in my mind. Miami and Carolina are kind of in the same spot. I think that maybe Miami's a little bit f- further ahead than Carolina in, in the, the building up process, but, but these are two teams that are kind of in the same boat in the sense that they are still trying to acquire some cornerstone pieces. That way they can solidify themselves as perennial playoff contenders. Miami's, uh, they're both in very tough divisions. I think that Carolina's division got significantly easier with Drew Brees not being there anymore. And I don't know really what to, what to call the, the Atlanta Falcons right now. But obviously Tampa Bay is, is the is the lead horse there, is the lead dog. And I mean, Carolina might be able to sneak into a wild card spot this year. You never know. I I, I really do think Sam Darnold is going to have a bounce back year this year. But that's, that's, that's left to be said for another episode. Guys, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is my top five groups in the NFL as it stands right now post-draft. And I want to preface before I get into this, I want to say that these are my favorite groups. These aren't necessarily who I believe to be the best groups in the NFL. These are just the groups that I am just most excited to watch this year, whether it be for just purely entertainment purposes, really. Um, these are these are team these are groups that I that I just absolutely love on paper. And not to mention, um, these are also some groups who are going to have some very heated training camp battles. Um, I'm going to make another episode as well with the top training camp battles to watch. But these are going to be, because these groups are so deep at these specific positions, there's going to be some training camp battles. The guys are going to be competing for time. And that's just going to that's gonna make for an even better preseason. I'm glad that we have preseason back this year. I think we get three games. So uh, the fact that these guys are going to be battling for it is just going to make the product on TV that much better for us to watch. All right, let's get into this thing. 
First team I'm going to start with, their first group I'm going to start with is the San Francisco 49ers wide receivers, or I should maybe even just say pass catchers as a whole, because I'm going to include George Kittle in here, seeing as how he is a just a, a big body wide receiver, pretty much. Um, George Kittle to go with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, Travis Benjamin, Richie James, Trent Sherfield, and Mohamed Sanu. This is a group for me that is just, it, it they just fit the Kyle Shanahan mold so well. We look at Brandon Ayuk. This is a guy who was my favorite receiver coming out of the draft last year in, in, in 2020 because of his ability after the catch. And, and you know, it's funny because the San Francisco 49ers went out in 2019 and they grabbed Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel was a guy who, he because he just made such a significant impact in his rookie year, Daniel Jeremiah, a guy who I've referenced on this podcast so many times, he came in 20, last year's draft and he said he created a segment that was finding Debo, right? Because they they were trying to figure out who is the receiver, who is the playmaker in that 2020 draft who's going to come out and be that Debo Samuel, that do-it-all, be able to run those jet sweeps, take a run, uh, line up in the backfield maybe, um, give him a quick screen pass, let him take it the distance. They want that almost do-it-all type player. And for me, it was Brandon Ayuk for for multitude of reasons. But Brandon Ayuk essentially turned out to be just that. They got a Debo Samuel in back-to-back drafts. Now, now Brandon Ayuk isn't necessarily the physical being that Debo Samuel is, but Brandon Ayuk can certainly hold his own, and Brandon Ayuk just brings his own skill set that, again, fits the Kyle Shanahan scheme so, so well. Their their ability, those two, are, are I truly believe they have the potential to be a top five wide receiving duo in the NFL. They, they might achieve that this year, um, and, and so I love the tandem that the San Francisco 49ers have. That is no question their starting tandem, um, but then it's after that. The other guys, because we know that that Kyle Shanahan loves to place different guys in different situations to throw the defense off. You know, we saw Kyle Shanahan, we've seen him for years now, where he's had like a three or four headed monster in the backfield with uh, Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert. And um, I'm struggling to remember the other guys (laughs) right now, but they've had four guys, it seems like, in their backfield who, who who can tote the rock and be a starter for them. And so... Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are just guys who they are wide receivers, but they can just be added to that mix. And then I go on to my next guy here, Jalen Hurd. And this is a guy who maybe not a lot of people have heard of. Jalen Hurd, the reason why is because he has been hurt the past two seasons. Um, He's still a very young player. Unfortunately, he has been uh, hampered by injuries in back-to-back years. He hasn't even played a meaningful, a regular season NFL snap in his career yet. But the reason why Jalen Hurd is so significant in this offense is, again, he fits that Kyle Shanahan mold so well, but not only that, but he might be the most physical specimen uh, out of out of this entire group. Jalen Hurd is weighing at six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, and this is a guy who was used at Baylor as a running back a lot of the time as well. Not only a wide receiver, but he really truly was a running back at times. And so, putting him in the backfield to go with possibly Trey Lance, who ran a lot of read option. At the uh, at North Dakota State University, putting him back there with him, Raheem Mostert, and and all the other running backs that they have there, along with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel running jet motions all over the place, along with George Kittle occupying two defenders per play as well. Right, you put all of this into one offense, and it's just it's 
it's it's almost kind of stressful to just even think about put your put yourself in the position of a defensive coordinator. Right, you think about the defensive coordinator wait, staying up the night before the game and just thinking, okay, well, it's a pick your poison at that point, right? We know how talented the San Francisco 49ers run game is. Okay, well, let's stick them in shotgun now and let's put Jalen Hurd in the backfield along with Trey Lance, who could could keep it on a, on a read option or just hand it off to Jalen Hurd. But in the meantime, we're going to have Brandon Ayuk running a jet motion. Like, we're going to pitch it to him. We're going to have Debo Samuel and George Kittle over the middle. Like, there's just so much to work with for Kyle Shanahan. I love the way he's built up this offense. It's speed. It's physicality. It's it's dynamic just ability across the board um, in this wide receiver group. And finally, I want to touch on the last four guys here. Travis Benjamin, who is a guy who is, who has been productive with the Los Angeles Chargers in the past. He's a speedster. Richie James, also a speedster, who's, who was with the 49ers last year. Trent Sherfield, another smaller type slot type uh, t- slot type receiver. And then finally, rounding out this group is Mohamed Sanu. And and listen, there's going to be a couple of guys cut from this from this group. A couple of good players that are, I think are going to get picked up by other teams. But Mohamed Sanu is an interesting player because he could be on the outside looking in. And this is going to be one of those camp battles because he's going to really be fighting for just a depth role at the very least like to be wide receiver number four on this roster he's going to be fighting for it um Muhammad Sanu is a guy who's been everywhere it seems like and and he's a veteran presence who with reliable hands who is a kind of your traditional route running wide receiver to work the middle of the field um I'm interested to see if he can find his way onto this roster um, amid all these young special talents and uh, that's yet to be seen, but I think even if Mohamed Sanu doesn't make it in training camp, I think that we're going to see him um, get picked up by another team and, and possibly able to make be able to make an impact in another NFL city. So that's my take on the San Francisco 49ers wide receivers. Keep an eye on these guys. This is going to be such a fun offense to watch, man. Like this is going to be, it's going to be ridiculous to watch, um, especially again, if they can get Trey Lance, like I, I personally would sit Trey Lance, redshirt him for his rookie year, but if they don't, I mean, uh, man, his ability as a runner as well. Like, Trey Lance isn't the most dynamic athlete. He's not Lamar Jackson, but but not too many people are in saying that. And and so Trey Lance, though, can certainly hold his own as an athlete. Again, he ran a lot of read option in North Dakota State. So um, the ability, he's going to certainly pose more of a threat as a runner to, to keep it on those play actions or to draw out that that read option to hold the, to ice the uh, the edge rusher, right? He, he's going to... He's going to really cause some problems and some headaches for for opposing defenses. All right, let's go on to my second group, that being the Washington football team's front seven. This has been a favorite group of mine for a couple of seasons now, and the reason being they are kind of similar to the San Francisco 49ers were last year in that they have just a ton of first-round picks, a ton of ton of draft capital invested in this group. Um, Chase Young, we all know, is a freak. Montez Sweat a guy who's probably been a little overshadowed by Chase Young, but a former first-round pick as well. Jonathan Allen, a monster in the middle. Matt Ioannidis, um, another monster. Deron Payne from Alabama as well, another monster in the middle. And then you got John Bostick, um, a veteran player. And Jameen Davis, who is a rookie linebacker out of Kentucky. And Jameen Davis was a guy for me uh, who could have snuck into the second round, could have easily slid into the second round as well. And... 
he might be the best athlete this year besides Micah Parsons at the at the uh, linebacker position. Uh, Jameen Davis is going to come in in my mind and be the the a day one starter for the Washington football team. But just another first round pick added to this Washington football team front seven. We saw how dynamic the Washington football team's um, pass rush was last year. Now this year, unfortunately, they had to part ways with Ryan Kerrigan. They couldn't re-sign him. I'm, I'm assuming for cap structure, for cap reasons. But my, my, Ryan Kerrigan, I mean, if they somehow found a way to, to bring Ryan Kerrigan back, I mean, this is this is it's a scary defense already without him. But just adding another veteran, get bringing that veteran presence back, who's familiar with the defense, that's even more scary. I mean, they also have guys like uh, Landon Collins on the back end as well. Like this is just a a very very talented front seven and an overall talented defense who can get after the quarterback, who can stop the run. They can really do anything that you want. This is, we're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, six of their front seven, I think is first round picks. I don't, I can't, I think is John Bostic a first round pick. He might be a, he, he might be the, the seventh first round pick in there. Like we're talking high, high draft capital invested and very talented young players invested into this Washington football team front seven they were dominant last year and now all these guys have yet another year under their belt and and another year with each other another year familiar in this defensive scheme uh under under uh, Ron Rivera this is uh I mean this is a this is a team if you're talking fantasy football I think this is a this is a team who's certainly on the rise in my mind this is about as athletic as it gets on the defensive side of the ball and I think it's just going to be a ton of fun to watch, watch these guys fly around the field, get after the quarterback. And that that all starts with Chase Young uh, up front. Going on to my third group, the Denver Broncos secondary. You guys, Denver Broncos, oh my goodness. Um, Vic Fangio, I mean, Denver is Denver's kind of a frustrating team because this is a team for me, like if you look at their defense on paper, I would I think the argument can be made that this is a borderline championship caliber defense. Like and and I might sound crazy but at least on paper like I just don't necessarily see a gaping hole on this defense. Like maybe maybe at the defensive tackle position, maybe at the linebacker position like uh, at the second level. I I'm not sure but but you're talking about Brad Chubb, Von Miller coming off the edge. Um, and then you have in the secondary, and this is just this is my favorite secondary in the NFL. Kyle Fuller, who got traded from, who, who got uh, picked up by Denver, a former Chicago Bear, very talented cornerback. Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan, Patrick Sertan the third, who they just drafted at ninth overall in this year's draft. Right, so you got Kyle Fuller and Patrick Sertan, who I believe are going to be the your two lockdown corners. And then you have Ronald Darby and Bryce Callahan, both who can play the nickel position. But Ronald Darby, both of them can come off the edge, but maybe play a sub-package defender, be, you know, be kind of that chess piece. And then you also have Justin Simmons, who is just a, oh my God, he might be a top three safety in the NFL right now, Justin Simmons. Dynamic, dynamic young safety. And Kareem Jackson as well, the, the savvy veteran on the back end. Like this is just... This secondary just has almost too much talent. Like they they might need to cut one of these guys. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's like. It might be between Ronald Darby and Bryce Callahan. I, maybe not. Maybe they're going to keep both of them, use them, utilize them on the defensive side of the ball. But that Broncos secondary is so loaded. And even that's kind of why it surprised me a little bit um, with, with Patrick Sertan being selected by the Broncos. I mean, you have 
Drew Locke as your quarterback, who again, I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a believer still in Drew Locke. I think he can be a, I'm not saying he can be elite, but I'm, I'm, I still think he can be a very solid starting quarterback in this league if he can figure it out. But, but regardless, you have Justin Fields sitting there at ninth overall, and then you go and take Patrick Sertan the third. Now, Patrick Sertan, I love this player. I love him. I, I think he's a phenomenal talent. I think he has all pro talent for at the cornerback position, but, but it was very shocking to me because the Denver Broncos secondary was already just so solid. Um, it was very shocking to me to see them go go take kind of best player available kind of deal in Patrick Sertan. So um, for me though, I mean, hey, it loaded the loaded their secondary. This is going to be a again. You want to talk about fantasy football? This is a defensive special teams unit that that is going to be uh, I think is going to rack up some points and certainly going to rack up some. Um, rack up some interceptions this year. So Denver Broncos secondary is going to be backing up Brad Chubb and Von Miller, who I'm for, I think, the third straight season now, maybe the fourth straight season now, I think, that I'm just waiting for these two to break out. These guys have either been injured, just not on the field together, or maybe just underperforming a little bit. But but it's just like these guys have the potential to be the best duo in the NFL. And, and to have this secondary backing them up is just phenomenal. So Denver Broncos defense as a whole, love that unit, but especially the secondary is just, is, is it's absolutely loaded on, on paper. Uh, moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven. And guys, this one's pretty easy for me. I think that I would have been remiss to not have a Tampa Bay Buccaneers group on this list um, for the simple reason that I, I, a word that a term that if you've been listening to this podcast or just even talk to me about football in the off season, um, a word that I use a lot is continuity. And continuity is so important at the NFL level um, when you're talking about uh, building a championship team, right? You look at certain teams around the league where they're just maybe they're f- flying through free agents and they're just trying to <laughs> see almost, see who sticks or whatever, who can who can work for them. And uh, there's just there's a ton of turnover and stuff like that. Something that I actually attributed to to Sam Darnold's maybe fall fallout on in, in, in New York Jets in, with the New York Jets is the fact that he just had no continuity coupled with the fact that he had some crappy coaches in my mind but but the lack of continuity there is just you need that for your young quarterback you need that for your team as a whole so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the fact that they brought back all 22 starters like they just won a Super Bowl and then they go back and bring literally let's just run it back with everybody right like that is unheard of at the NFL level especially in the salary cap area anyways that is unheard of and so for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to bring back everybody especially on this front seven which we just saw on display in the Super Bowl Patrick Mahomes is running for his life for 60 minutes and now is that was well due in part to to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven um Jason Pierre Paul been around a long time still playing at a high level my god um, he's actually entering a contract year I don't know if he'll be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after this year um, but that is the reason why I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went out and drafted Joe Tryon who is next up on this list in this front seven Joe Tryon is a guy who I had pegged as, as possibly the guy you want you want to talk about high effort maximum effort 110% on every single play pedal to the floor that is Joe Tryon. This is a guy who's going to give you everything he has on every single play, and that is why he went into the first round. This is a guy who was pegged as maybe a mid-second rounder, late second rounder just a month ago, and then he goes and works his way up. I see his tape, and other people are starting to realize, recognize his tape, and, and other scouts are obviously recognize, recognizing his tape. This is a guy who has a very impactful 
pass rushing ability already at his young age, at, at 21 or 22, whatever he is. And so now you put him in a position where he is opposite, where he is along with J- Jason Pierre-Paul, one of the better pass rushers of his of his generation, honestly. Shaq Barrett, who's a guy who just got paid, who just secured the bag, and and who's ter- who's one of the best young pass rushers in the NFL. You have him just sitting behind them. Now, he doesn't need to come in and make an impact from day one. He can kind of be a rotational piece for them to get after the quarterback. You put him in there to learn from them. Joe Tryon, I think, is going to be an absolute monster at some point in his career, especially when you take his effort that he gives, coupled with the fact that he's going to be learning all this great stuff um, from these two great, great players. I I think Joe Tryon is going to be a monster. So you got Jason Pierre-Paul. Joe Tryon, Shaq Barrett, as I already mentioned, right? Getting after the quarterback. William Golston on the interior. Vita Vea, um, the young player on the interior. Uh, Nadomikon Sue. Let's not forget about him, the big the big uh, two-gapper and, and who can still get after the quarterback from time to time as well. And then you go to the second level, and it's probably the best linebacker duo in the NFL, man. Tough to argue with it. Devin White and Levante David, man. And that's that's a... Like you're talking about, I talked about the Washington football team's defense being just predicated on speed and and just like this is, this is just athletes on both on on all three levels for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. But this is these are some scary athletes, um, especially on the first two levels. Devin White and Levante David can run with the best of them, you know. And and you know you look at uh, especially they they have the they've been staying healthy as well. Hopefully they continue to stay healthy. But you know you look at the Dallas Cowboys for example and them adding Micah Parsons and they have. Uh, um, Leighton Vander Esch along with uh, Jalen Smith as well you know and they also had Sean they also had Sean Lee um, that was a very fast linebacker group as well but I mean Devin White and Levante David like they, they can stay healthy which is something that the Cowboys haven't been able to do I'm um, not only that but they're just they're just freakishly fast they just shouldn't be able to run that fast for how much they weigh um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven not only do they have the talent but again like I just that like I started this this grouping with they have the continuity that's a team that is going to be in the same defensive scheme that they were in before. Now they've just added Joe Tryon, a guy who is just a monster. I think he's just a he's a loading monster right now. Um, I think that Jason Pierre-Paul, I think he'll be playing his last year in a, in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. Um, we'll see where he goes after that. But I think Joe Tryon is gonna is is kind of waiting in the wings um, to be opposite Shaq Barrett. That's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass rush of the future. Uh, let's go on to my last. My last grouping here, and that is, as I kind of foreshadowed a little bit earlier, the New England Patriots safety group. And then maybe people are wondering, safeties, Josh, come on now. Like, what, what do you, how is a safety group a top five group in the NFL? I talked about, I talked about the Miami Dolphins and getting Javon Holland from Oregon and, 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 and what he's able to do as a chess piece um, and how he kind of fits that Brian Flores slash Bill Belichick kind of mold. We look at the New England Patriots safety group, and this is a group that was actually, keep in mind, they were supposed to have Patrick Chung, who retired um, this offseason. But Patrick 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 Chung um, sat out last last season due to due the COVID issues and whatnot. But but Patrick Chung is a guy who's kind of been a staple in the New England Patriots defense for a long time at the safety position. Another guy who's kind of been a chess piece moving around the field for Bill Belichick, playing up in the box if they need him to. Um, covering guys if they need him to, just pretty much doing whatever, right? We know Bill Belichick, it gets talked about so often, doesn't matter what level of the defense you're referring to, whether it be edge rushers or 
linebackers. He wants guys who can do multiple things. He doesn't just want a guy who can get after the quarterback. He wants a guy who can also cover if they need him to, right? He just wants versatile pieces to go with that multiples defense that he's trying to run. So now you look at the safety position. You got Devin McCourty, who if you don't know Devin McCourty by now, I mean, well, I don't really know what to tell you. This guy's been, again, kind of like Patrick Chung has. Devin McCourty's just been a staple in the Bill Belichick defense for a long time now. Jalen Mills, the cornerback slash safety coming from Philadelphia this year, who New England uh, acquired in free agency. A guy who, again, can play in the box if you need him to. He can play nickel corner if you need him to. He can play on the outside corner if you need him to. He can do all different kinds of things. You have Adrian Phillips as well. Adrian Phillips is a guy who can play free safety for you. He can probably step up in the box if you need him to. Maybe play nickel cornerback if you need him to. Kyle Duggar is a guy who New England Patriots drafted, I believe, in the second round last year. I think he's from Illinois, an Illinois product. Kyle Duggar is a hard hitting in the box safety who's gonna who is not afraid to get nasty, get dirty. Um, I love Kyle Duggar as a player. Didn't necessarily see significant time last year, but Kyle Duggar is gonna make. I think he's gonna make a significant impact this year. He's going to be one of those names where. You know, maybe you didn't hear about him before, but he's going to make himself a nice little name uh, and make himself known at the NFL level this year. And then it rounds out with Cody Davis uh, and, and another guy who's just kind of a versatile piece for the New England Patriots. So when I look at this safety group, especially when you had Patrick Chung, that might have made it a little easier for these guys going forward. Because if you had Patrick Chung to this group, I mean, you have, in my mind, six potentially starting players at the safety position. And these are all guys who now with Patrick Chung out of the mix, I, I I honestly would not be surprised to see each and every one of these guys get some sort of playing time each and every game this season. Like this is with the amount of different formations and, and, and things that Bill Belichick likes to do on a week to week basis. Um, I think that these guys, because they all possess different skill sets and, and they're, but they're all versatile at the same time. They're very hybrid type players. I think these are all guys that are going to see playing time each and every week. Like this is just a talented, talented safety group on the back end for the Patriots. And these are guys who are going to wreak havoc um, on opposing offenses because these are different guys who are not really going to allow the matchup problems um, to, to occur. These are guys who, again, they can get up, they can blitz off the edge. They can go and they can cover as well. They can step up and run support. You know, like they, they, they can do a bunch of different things. So I think that the New England Patriots are going to be a defense to really watch this year. They usually are. They're a ton of fun to watch on a week-to-week basis because of all, if you pay attention to the different guys are throwing out each and every play, I mean, it's a, it's a fun team. It's a fun defense to watch if you're into that kind of stuff. But keep an eye, especially this year, man. Like they just they just got so much talent on, on, on the back end. So that is my top five groups, you guys. San Francisco 49ers wide receivers with George Kittle, uh, Washington football team front seven, Denver Broncos secondary, Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven, the New England Patriots safeties. That is my top five groups, you guys. Um, I will be back with another episode because we've got predictions episodes coming up. We've got training camp battles to keep your eye on. Um, and then I'll probably maybe do another one of these episodes as well with uh, with maybe my updated after, right before the season starts, my top five groups entering the regular season. But uh, listen, I appreciate you guys checking out the listen to the episode today. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a leave a review and uh, and and leave a a comment and a rating as well on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to be a friend and uh, tell a friend. Shout out Pat McAfee on that little uh, tidbit. But uh, for uh, for outside the gridiron, 
I am Josh Freisam. I appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Outside the Gridiron with Josh Fry Sam. Follow Josh on Twitter and Instagram at J-F-R-E-Y-S-A-M and leave us a review on iTunes. For more episodes, subscribe to Outside the Gridiron on your favorite podcast service. 